Hello everyone, welcome to Bunker Mania Wrestling. I am Jeremy Graves. I am joined by the decadent Mr. Ian Bolton, the captain of the ship, as it were. And today, this podcast, gonna be quite frank, it's gonna be a bit of a somber one, most likely, but with the intention of remembering a career of someone who, quite frankly, it was cut too short, let alone their life being cut too short, because the the sudden and quite frankly shell-shocking tragic news of Bray Wyatt's passing has really rocked the wrestling landscape. That together with Terry Funk just a couple of days earlier. Some of you may have already seen on the channels that I recorded a podcast with, with Tom Limbury where we discussed Terry Funk a little bit and touched briefly, as it were, about Bray Wyatt before we talked about All In Predictions. If you want to hear that, you can go ahead and find that accordingly. But on this podcast, I mentioned it on that particular show as well. We wanted to record something separate, focusing more specifically on Bray Wyatt because... Again, like I said, in the landscape of current wrestling fandom, this is one that has literally shell-shocked people. And uh, I, I I said it before, I, I'm still kind of at a loss for words on how exactly to describe this. And Ian, I'm going to assume you're probably in, in a similar sort of notion on that front as well. Um, yeah, today's been a weird day. Just putting it out there right now. Because um, I actually, I actually woke up in the middle of the night and I, I think I saw your message because you sent me a WhatsApp and then I, I checked a few sites and it's like, oh, and it's, uh, yeah, it was kind of like, I think I, I think I stayed up a little bit. Uh, I think I stayed up for like an hour or so after seeing the news, kind of mm. just watching, watching stuff Fightful had done. Um, what the wrestle talking, uh, immediate breaking news uh, and, and, and so forth. And then kind of, uh, didn't see more stuff until the morning, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's it's very weird. It's very very weird. But as it, it, but as you say, it's it's incredibly shocking. I mean, one of the one of the I think one of the startling things for me is his age. At thirty six, mm. he's two years younger than me. Yeah, likewise, which is it's literally what I thought as well. And it 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 really yeah. hit home in a way. Not to say I didn't expect, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks, that that particular fact as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's and I think the day the day's just been a very surreal one because it's like I've been watching, I've been kind of consuming as much content that's been kind of being put out by some of the other wrestling channels on YouTube, like Altolog, like Wrestle Talk, um uh, going in raw. Um, even even places like the BBC and stuff like that had been doing small little pieces about brain so forth and just kind of oh wow so even got mainstream coverage like that yeah well, yeah it was it was the mainstream in the culture section on BBC for the morning hmm. um, so yeah uh, and and also just going through Twitter and Facebook hmm. and just seeing uh, people's reactions really um, obviously wrestlers from uh, across brands just sort of sharing their memories and their memories of Bray and, and obviously the, the, the sheer shock of it all, to be perfectly honest, mm. um, as well as just seeing some of those cool little moments from his career, whether it be him winning the WWE championship at elimination chamber, the, the debut of the fiend at SummerSlam, the return at, at extreme rules, the first promo after extreme rules. Um, even, even the small, like, even like nice little, touches i think i think this is one i've seen a lot on on the timelines since since the news and it's it's mostly it's i think it was the it was the attempt to give bray a baby face run i think 
I think late 2016, early 2017, and it didn't necessarily pan out because he had an, he got an ankle injury and that took him out of TV for a little bit. I think this was it was the injury that put him out, out until he came back as Bray Wyatt slash the Fiend for the Firefly Funhouse, mm. and that was the that was the the tag team match he had with uh, Reigns, and he's just mm. done sister he's done sister Abigail to Alberto Del Rio, just starting to pin him, and then all of a sudden just does a, a simple little gun gun motion to the side and Reigns just appears out of nowhere to spear Sheamus and it's just like it's it's one of those sort of it's one of those sort of crazy cool little like kind of genius off the cuff moments that you, mm. you see sometimes in wrestling and it's just like it's a it's a it's like you kind of wonder it's like the odd odd couple pairing and just to speak on Roman and Bray is even having a few that a really good feud and I'd like to I think it was late 2015 because I think they started the anyone but you uh, feud where Bray stopped Roman from winning money in the bank and they had a, a short little rivalry which uh, I think culminated in uh, Hell in the Cell that year which they had a really good match as well mm-hmm. um, yeah that's, that's that's been kind of like the day in a nutshell really um, we've got because um, we're recording this we're recording this at nearly 11pm UK time um so we basically literally under uh, just under 24 hours ago because yeah. the news broke at around half 11 last night so mm. sorry i cut you off there it just suddenly yeah. occurred to me as you were saying no no, no yeah, yeah it's fine um because we got we have smackdown tonight um a, a lot of reports are saying that smackdown has understandably changed in in light of the situation um understanding at the moment is it will be uh, a Bray tribute. Most of it will hopefully be Bray tribute. There'll also be a tribute for Terry Funk. There are going to be, I think, one or two matches still going on, but mm. not necessarily. Um, it's kind of like when we were saying just before we started recording, it's kind of like when Brody passed away and AEW mm. had, they started matches, but not necessarily canon or, or, yeah. or story story driven heavy matches. It was basically, mm. we're going to have a match to, to entertain you and to hopefully pay, pay respect mm. to Bray. And like the Eddie Guerrero tribute show, that was Mm. what, 2005? 2004, 2005? I'm just drawing a blank off the top of my head. But the Raw and Smackdowns was a double taping, I remember. And yeah, and obviously the big match that occurred that people still remember fondly from that those tribute shows and the situation was Shawn Michaels v. Shelton Benjamin. That was kind of Mm. the standout moment. And when it comes to the Brody show, obviously that that was just such a monumental show, especially given it was during the height of the lockdown era, if you will, yeah. as well. And sort of what that meant. And like, we, what's what I phrase this? We, we can see what WWE can do. I don't want to say in the heat of the moment, because that's the wrong phrase, but we can see what WWE can do with hardly any notice when it comes to tribute stuff. Yeah. They're pretty damn good at it as it were. So I'm looking forward to seeing what actually occurs to remember Bray because, as you said during during what during what you were saying, excuse me, that um the amount of like what people have been saying online and in particular the tributes from those who knew him personally, there have just been some wonderful stories painting the kind of picture of 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 Wyndham Rotunda, the human being, hmm. let alone being Bray Wyatt the wrestler and such, but just the human being behind everything and just how welcoming of a person they were, and how they would try and help people, offer a bit of advice, just be a wonderful, warm presence, which is something in even in my life, I appreciate I'm not perfect at it, but it's something I try and do as well. 
So in some ways, it's kind of nice to know, good, I'm glad to hear stories like that. Because mm. sometimes you do wonder and you never really get to know fully what someone was like. And it, it's tragic sometimes it's a circumstance like this that really brings positive things like that to light and just to the forefront. But it's been really cool amidst the news of the last 24 hours in particular. Obviously, Terry Funk not, notwithstanding as well, the day before. But it's just been really genuinely heartwarming in all of this situation just to see that kind of outpouring of love. And you mentioned him by name, much like was the case with Brody Lee as well a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in terms of like how the news broke, to sort of give a bit more context to what you were saying, I was just looking on my phone at about, just gone half past 11 last night. And suddenly this tweet from Triple H came up and I read it. And I didn't process what it said. And I had to read it about, I think, 10 or 12 more times before I suddenly realized what it meant. Because it just... This is, obviously, you would never lie about anything like this. But you know, sometimes you just read something and you're like, what, what, what are you saying? Like, I don't get it. What am I missing here? And eventually it just kind of hit... And then I started seeing, you know, obviously other people posting stuff and outlets starting to post stuff. And it's just, that's when it sunk in. And I, I messaged you and a few other people as well. That's why, to give more context, the message I basically sent you was, hey, you're likely not going to see this until the morning. Just know something big has, has happened and mm. you're not going to be ready for it, but just be prepared for when you look online. I didn't want to say what it was because I thought that the, the worst thing... I can imagine waking up to is someone just sending a simple message going such and such has passed away. Yeah. Like just a very direct message. And I thought, no, no, I want to send a message like this just to give people some warning, quite frankly, because now this is a weird parallel to draw to, but, and again, forgive my phrasing on this, Ian, but obviously we hear about wrestlers passing and such and different wrestlers have a different effect on us as people Mm. in our fandom and how much it means to us. And there have been some names that have passed away in recent years where I've just proper, just it's just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like Brody Lee is one example, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate is a fairly close example in this context, but for the sake of discussion, there have been some other people as well, even just in popular culture where I feel, I personally feel like I've had a very deep connection to what they have done, as it were. Uh, case in point, Chester Bennington, the, the former lead singer of Linkin Park, obviously, who passed away, that particular news really hit me far deeper than I thought it was going to. And this news of Bray Wyatt is kind of much like that as well, with Brody and Chester Bennington, that it's really hit me. Not to say far more than I expected, but it's just hit me completely like you've just been utterly slapped in the face a ton of bricks dropped on you whatever analogy you want to use it's really really hit me and like doing work and stuff today it's been difficult just kind of plowing on at times Mm. and trying to figure out a way just to to just to plow on with things because that's how much of an impact bray has had in and i mean even tom mentioned it when we were recording the podcast with, as I previously mentioned earlier today, Bray realistically has only been in the mainstream wrestling landscape for about 13 years when you include the NXT stuff as well as Husky Harris. Mm. There was obviously, a, what, a year or so maybe when he wasn't in WWE at all. 
perhaps maybe a year or two. But realistically, for the better part of 11 or so years, that's how much of an impact he made. And his creativity, it, I don't think it'll ever be matched. Just like the, the things that you do. And also what Bray Wyatt, I feel as well, having had more time to reflect on this, and I'm sure you can agree with this as well. One thing that Bray Wyatt did so spectacularly was make you pay attention. Mm-hmm. And kind of throw little little snippets of things, and and rewarded you for really being for really paying attention and being, I'll say, analytical with how you processed what he did. I liken it in a way to to a comic book where there's perhaps a long running comic series, and you kind of notice a few things with something that's been said, or maybe a character name has been referenced that you don't know yet, but suddenly that then gets brought up ages down the line <clears throat> excuse me and you just suddenly think oh my god that's when they mentioned that like that's relating to that mm. and you really felt rewarded when you noticed something like that with bray wyatt's things and just the, again the creativity the easy one to draw parallels to is the firefly funhouse match with john cena just yes. the amount of creativity involved in that and in a way, that was kind of the arguably one of the biggest payoffs for, for being a Bray Wyatt fan. There are many other moments, obviously, but the that 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 match, if you can even call it that, as an entity in and of itself, mm. it was so wonderfully special. Just how creative it was. Yeah, it was a. I think the the best way to describe it is it is a. I would say it's a hard word to say, but I would say it's like a character assassination of John Cena. Yeah, or the, or the or the whole thing, and that was the and that was the crux of how the thing had the advantage. He was able to look at Cena's career up to that moment and kind of challenge those sort of challenge those sort of things. So the whole thing of Cena not turning heel and all that sort of stuff. Cena becoming part of the NWO or something yeah. like that. Uh, Cena almost getting fired when he was the the prototype and shouting ruthless mm. aggression and just throwing his fists wildly wildly around all around. It was it's it's such a sort of it's only like I think it's only like eight, eight, nine, ten minutes, but it's such a, a visceral sort of trip. But also for the wrestling fan, there's so much to pull up there in mm-hmm. terms of history, in terms of in terms of the history of the business, in terms of the history of the of the characters involved and all that sort of stuff. And it's just you don't you you don't see that to a degree with any other wrestler. And it's it's like it and that's something not to really that's like you don't really say lightly. It's like you just, it's like Bray is this, Bray was this sort of creative individual who would be literally doing things that you would never possibly imagine in a, in a sort of a wrestling narrative landscape. I mean, the whole sort of making the dual personalities of Bray Wyatt, the Firefly Funhouse host and the fiend work mm. is, is incredible, but also it's just, it's creating the presentation. It's creating the atmosphere, the the uh, environment for the audience to really kind of step into what Brave White was trying to showcase on on a grandest scale. Um, first, the first wrestling show, the first WWE wrestling show I went to was a recording of Raw in 2015 in Manchester, and this was this was just after. I, I think the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view had happened. It was Brock versus Taker again. Um, Brock had, had won, and then Taker was ambushed by uh, the Wyatt family. And we were start, and we were sort of leading towards 
uh, Promise of Destruction versus the White Family, per se. And it's just being part of that audience for when they do the Fireflies, just for that entrance mm-hmm. alone, just to have your mobile phone just with the light on and just kind of join this perpetual dark room full of other sort of light up little things. It's, it's, it's so, oh, what's the word? It's just so immersive and mesmerizing. Yeah. yeah. Immersive mesmerizing. And it's like, it's like even now with like, even when it was like the fiend and the let me in um, rock, really dark, scary grunge version at SummerSlam, the presentation of that is just absolutely I think no one expected it to be that. And it's just mm. like, it just stuns you. There was this great clip. There was this great clip of the SummerSlam party watch along. And basically WWE did their own watch along stream of SummerSlam in another part of the building. And they have this whole panel of various people. And, and as the Wyatt's entrance starts, not many people are necessarily paying attention. They're kind of still chatting about the previous match before. There is one person who is absolutely captivated and glued to the edge of their scene, and that's Johnny Gargano. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you just see, and it's like, I think you see through how he kind of just thought, wow, this is so calling and mesmerizing. You sort of say, that's, that's the effect I think Bray had as, uh, as a creative it's a creative soul, really, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, and we can, it's very easy when we talk about Bray in terms of whether he was the cult leader, whether he was the fiend, even in the Uncle Howley uh, short stint um, of where some things might not necessarily have panned out, whether it be booking, whether it be narrative lying. I mean, it's like the whole aspect of bringing Alexa Bliss into the Fiend's storyline was pretty cool. Hmm. and then kind of went off the rails when Randy Orton got involved and we had to revisit hmm. the Randy Orton feud and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, despite the fact certain bits or certain chunks of these sort of characters do go off the rails a little bit, there is still there is still plenty to say each one of these characters was unique. It wasn't necessarily a complete disaster. It wasn't necessarily complete. It is like these were, at times, these were just the most captivating things you would see in all of wrestling. Um, and case in point, it's the whole campaign for Bray to come back at Extreme Rules last year. Mm. QR codes, the right rabbit, uh, even at live shows, just playing Jefferson Airplane, and you're just having these little animations, these little images, and these little teasers and all that sort of stuff. It built this big crescendo at Extreme Rules last year, which again is like the whole sequence in itself is just so surreal. And again, you, it's a new presentation for Bray and all that. And it was just, again, it's like it was exciting. It was you got curious. You were sort of drawn in, um, and yeah, it, this. The, I mean, up until I think, obviously, he was he was due to come back at some point because he had he was apparently medically cleared to to start training again. Sadly, that that's not really that didn't really kind of happen. Um, going my trail of thought here to to be perfect. Last two seconds, um, but yeah, the whole. I mean, it's like we we talk about the pitch black match of LA Knight, who is now kind of officially his last ever major opponent in the WWE. Um, even though that, that feud had its ups and downs, I still think it was, it was quite mesmerizing to see why it go up against LA Knight. And, mm. and to a point, I think that feud, even though LA Knight was on the, the receiving end of the beating and all that sort of stuff, I think it kind of put LA Knight on the map. To be perfectly honest, in the main roster side of things, mm. especially with becoming really unhinged and and all that sort of stuff, and then you've also got the moment of the Undertaker from Royce yeah. Thirty this year. 
Yeah, and it's moments like that that just sort of really make you just just make you think back. And you've mentioned in passing like the Wyatt family, which I think for me, I appreciate. Well, hang on, two schools of thought. Come back to the Wyatt family, but Mm. when it comes to to evolution, and this is something that Tom and I spoke about when it came to Terry Funk as well, almost comparing to what Chris Jericho had done, being Mm. able to evolve with the times and being able to reinvent yourself. Bray Wyatt is absolutely part of that camp as well for being able to tweak and reinvent elements of of the game as it were to Mm. sort of to refresh themselves and when you look at sort of how the Wyatt family began sort of what it became and then how things evolved out from that it's truly amazing everything that he was able to accomplish and such and just the impact it had as well and uh, the, the, the family had as well sorry to be more specific but also Bray Wyatt as, what's the way to phrase this? The impact that Bray Wyatt had to captivate people to want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier about if you if you paid attention, you were rewarded for, for noticing little things and such. But there is the element where Bray Wyatt legitimately brought people into wrestling. People maybe just saw the entrance or maybe the debut segment and such, or the return like you mentioned and whatnot. And Bray Wyatt had an, an aura and a personality, a presence, that's the word I'm trying to think of, where when you look at them, you pay attention. Hmm. And there's a reason for that, because you it's difficult to have that presence. There's a reason, for example, why The Undertaker's entrance was a revered thing in wrestling. And being able to see it live was an experience for so many people in and of itself. Because that's how much of a presence it had. You mentioned when you went to that Raw taping, being part of that entrance, like the experience of the entire thing, how immersive it was. Bray Wyatt as a whole was such an immersive person, let alone character. Mm. And you wanted to see what was going to happen next. And that's why pretty when you search up a bunch of Bray Wyatt clips on WWE's YouTube, that's probably why some of them are the most watched clips, aside from the news of the past 24 hours, obviously. But in general... The stuff that that you could look up for Bray, it's so, so captivating to watch and so genuinely fun to go back and watch as well, even amid even amidst the circumstances that we're discussing this in now. Mm. So, uh, in terms of what else to, to, to discuss, this obviously there are so many moments. Became WWE champion. Obviously, there's the element of the Wyatt family and the Shield stuff, which is some of my personal favorites. Even when Daniel mm. Bryan was involved as well. That was some of the most captivating stuff. Even though it necess- you could argue it kind of derailed the Wyatt... Well, I say you could argue it. It did derail the Wyatt family by quite a bit. Even that initial match at, the, at their first WrestleMania match with Wyatt and John Cena. Mm. And just that emotion involved where everyone so badly wanted the Wyatt family to win. And ultimately it didn't happen. And it somehow led to a feud that was then like a steel cage match and then a normal match. It was such a weird, wacky thing. But the Wyatt family and Cena made it work, and it was so yeah. well done, even despite the random booking of it. I remember the I remember the cage match having the really creepy ending of just the kid just singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. That the song, that, mate. Oh my word! Yeah, it's just like just kind of mini traumatized John Cena into his sister Abigail for for Wyatt just to kind of casually just stroll out of the cage and just go, ha ha, one, mm. all that sort of stuff. Um, what was it? There's another. I mean, even. Even after the, the the WWE Championship, when the first one, um, I think 
I think it, the storyline itself didn't necessarily go the way which I think a lot of people wanted, but there was still quite decent mileage at that time in Orton and Harper. Mm. And you kind of, thought, and I think, I think I kind of secretly wanted like a triple threat for like the WWE championship at WrestleMania because Harper was getting involved in that sort of stuff as well. Um, yeah. And what was it? That led, that led on to the bloody, was it house of horrors? That house sounds of, familiar. That, yeah, that, that, that sounds well, the, very the, familiar. The haunted tractor and the and the <laughs> haunted tractor. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Randy Orton turns up like a limo. I think I remember Randy Orton turns up in a limo, starts walking around with his WWE Championship, and just is like, "There's a haunted tractor." Hello, Randy. Oh, okay. And it's just weird. it was a very weird match. I mean, it's it's like nonsensical bollocks. Classic phrase there. <laughs> but it was just like, you could, if anyone was going to try and make this work to a degree, I think Bray Wyatt was probably the one who was going to try and do it. But well, if I can add to that, not even yeah. just someone to try and make it work, someone who could make mm. it work. And that's a key element as well, is that stuff that Bray Wyatt did, you've seen people on, on, in, re- in wrestling in general have to do some, some wacky crazy dumb stuff mm. some people can rise to the occasion on that and somehow make it work mm. one of those people is bray wyatt yeah just given the most wacky things somehow will make it work and uh, to, uh, while you were saying all that i just suddenly thought you mentioned sister abigail and that's another element as well that i think makes bray wyatt's legacy such a fun thing to look back on again amidst all the circumstances in that I mentioned about how you paid attention, you were, were rewarded for noticing things. The whole Sister Abigail thing, how long did that go on for? And you were just like, who is this Sister Abigail? Mm. And I think I, I even read or heard somewhere that, and I didn't even notice until today, admittedly, that I think someone mentioned that The Fiend was referenced years ago by Bray Wyatt himself. Mm. Like in a promo or something. And then eventually The Fiend came to the forefront. And it's like, Oh my god, that's like a payoff of like something mentioned years ago. Yeah, that was probably just brewing in a in a cup somewhere for a very long time in a melting pot, if you will. Mm. And it's just it's stuff like that that I I love, loved, loved, loved watching about Bray Wyatt. And like you mentioned, the stuff with LA Knight, I I didn't see a lot of it because you know as we've talked about before, I haven't necessarily watched a lot of WWE stuff. But the Bray Wyatt stuff was always something I wanted to keep an eye on to a degree. And I may mm. go back and watch a bit more of the LA Knight stuff because I really didn't watch a lot of it at the time. But I remember us talking about the inevitable pitch black match, which in itself oh, yes. was an experience. It, it, well, I'd say that the match itself probably wasn't anything major to write home about because it's like LA Knight was going to get murdered in that ring. And he, and he was promptly and also got an elbow drop from Uncle Howdy at the same time. Um, but I think there was also there was some creativity to how Bray probably approached the match in terms of uh, like where he, so basically he came out looking normal and then the fluorescent lights came on and he's got all these tribe, he's got the, all this demon like fluorescent paint on him underneath. And it's like, Oh, well he's going for some pitch black fun mm. in that sort of way. Um, yeah. You know what else as well was just always at first when you first saw it, it was like, what the heck? And when he did like that sort of the backwards, upward dog wheel pose oh. or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, the backward spider. Yeah, thank you. That's the word. I can never remember the name of it. And it, I just remember like <laughs> all the times when like he would do it and people would just freeze. 
even like years after you'd seen it so many times, you're just like, why are you freezing? Well, but, it the but it worked because it looks so ludicrous. But the best, the best one of those was Mania 31, where he was doing it towards Taker. Taker sits up and it just crumbles, and he just crumbles. Chris is going, oh no, I've, I've peeved off the dead man now. <laughs> <laughs> But it's little moments like that that make it so special as well. Mm. But ah, uh, I, I so I guess in terms of sort of just other things to note as we I, I suppose gradually start to wind this down. Yeah, it's worth noting for reference that, that Sean Ross Sapp, who did a, a great stream, kind of minutes after the fact, just yeah. having being like a, as an outlet for people, as it were, he was actually given permission by by Wyndham. Uh, sorry, he was given permission to reveal, as it were, what had happened. And per his Twitter account, said the following. I was given permission to reveal that earlier this year, Wyndham Rotunda, Bray Wyatt, got COVID that exacerbated a heart issue. There was a lot of positive progress towards a return and his recovery. Unfortunately, today, that being yesterday at the time we're recording, he suffered a heart attack and passed away. Hmm. So that is what happened and Sean Ross Sapp himself has been so quite frankly he's such a damn good reporter if you don't follow him do mm. it just such a reliable source but also has treated the entire thing with such respect as well mm-hmm. and the fact he was given permission by the family to say that it, it's a credit to, to Sean obviously for what he has done when it comes to reporting things but also Part of me also thinks that the outpouring of love and support at this news perhaps contributed to the family wanting that to come out in some way, in a way that perhaps they could control that news, if that makes sense. Yeah. In a way I've, they could trust. Yeah, I've, I think one way as well is just making sure no crazy sort of narratives were going out into exactly. the ether, because obviously everyone is shocked and they want to know exactly what happens. And it's just... It, 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 that that's the that is the that was the reason that is the reason we we unfortunately lost Bray and there's nothing really more to add on to that. It's basically that yeah. that's that's what's happened and and that is and yeah and it's that, heartbreaking that, and tragic yeah um, there have been some there's some been some moves on WWE's part obviously um, obviously in reaction to 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 the shocking news um, obviously the feathers. Um, Bray's survived by um, his partner, Joe Offerman, who used to be a ring announcer, uh, and four kids as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what WWE have done, and I think it's very commendable. I mean, we I know half the time a lot of people, when they do some stuff, it, people get a little bit, it can be a little bit bad taste sometimes, but I think they've, mm-hmm. done, they've done the absolute right thing. And all the merchandise that's currently on sale on WWE's shop, that's for Bray, all the profits are just going to the family. Yeah, which is which, fantastic, genuinely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I can't remember where I read this, so forgive me for not being able to quote the source, but I think I read somewhere that someone said, for context, maybe say like of all the merchandise sales, like insert superstar name may say get like 5% or something. Mm. So the fact it's getting all of that, the family will be getting all of that, Especially one would yeah. assume, given the current outpouring, that is going to go such a long way to be able to help that family out Yeah, amongst everything that's going on. So it's genuinely fantastic to see. As you mentioned, it sounds like SmackDown is going to be some kind of tribute show. At the time recording, it's like a, a couple of hours away from airing, so we don't know mm-hmm. what's occurred. 
But uh, it'll be genuinely fascinating to see how that works out. Uh, also, one I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this. One would assume that the possibility of Bray Wyatt being inducted into, into next year's Hall of Fame at, come WrestleMania weekend, I, I would be very surprised if that didn't happen, quite frankly. I think you could possibly make a case of putting the Wyatt family in, in its entirety yeah. now, mm. um, which is obviously at the ages they've passed is, is, is tragic in itself, but it's just kind of, if this is probably the moment now, mm. to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, and yeah, if that allows Eric Rowan to, to come in for a little bit to, mm. to obviously lead the, lead the, the tributes and all that sort of stuff. That'd be really good. I'm just kind of, I'm just having a quick look on um, some of the news sites. Uh, apparently um, Jericho, has led a musical Bray Wyatt tribute during uh, a Fozzie concert, um, I think, recently. They were playing at the Kentish Town Forum tonight in London. Yes, yes. So I think that's what's happened tonight. Amazing. There. I will say, actually, and obviously, I'm trying to get a tactful way to say this, mm. I really hope at Wembley on Sunday at All In, there is some kind of recognition, even if it was... I would say for both Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, but... I hope there is some kind of recognition on the day yeah, for one or both of them, because I think there would be a genuinely wonderful moment for the wrestling landscape in general, if that could happen. I appreciate neither of them were ever in AEW, as it were, but that doesn't mm. change that. AEW have acknowledged it on their social media feed, so yeah. one and given the close relationship well, you know, with quite frankly, just with Brody Lee, you know, there is a really deep bond there. And it's and, a chance to really acknowledge that. And a good portion of current AEW stars have worked with Bray. Yeah. Jericho has worked with Bray. Uh, even even if they were in, not necessarily doing ring work together or something like that, their wrestlers in AEW who went in WWE, they did encounter or did spend time mm-hmm. with, with Wyndham. Mm-hmm. I should stop saying Bray and say Wyndham. Um, so you've got Miro. Yeah. Miro, Miro had a had a... Uh, a nice little story. Oh, it was so okay. good. I watched that watched that one earlier. It was so nice. To, yeah, Mirror Mir- Mir- Mir had a good one. Uh, even Keith Lee had a little mm-hmm. mention about it. Obviously, oh, there was a really good clip that Hardy Matt Hardy shared. And it was it was when I think this is this weird sort of, I think this is when Seth Rollins was still Intercontinental Champion. He was teaming up with Finn. He was teaming up with, with uh, Jeff Hardy. And they bump into broken Matt Hardy in WWE. <laughs> And they have this sort of, they sort of, ah, yes, the little character nods to obviously have making an impact. Bray turns up and just goes, brother Nero. Is is this after the Lakin reincarnation stuff involved as well? Oh, amazing. And he just goes, brother Nero, it's nice to see you. And they just, he just randomly hugs Jeff Hardy. And then Bray and Bray and Matt Hardy walk off and Jeff's just smiling. He just turns and perfectly positioned. On the far side of the camera, looking confused as all heck, is is Balor and Rollins just going, "What just happened?" <laughs> it's like, "Oh, just complicated family stuff. It's fine. <laughs> Let's go to the ring." <laughs> John, that, that, that's a fun element we've not touched on. Not to sort of extend this for the sake mm. of it, but the stuff involving Matt Hardy, as ridiculous as it was, it, it was good fun. The fact that the whole deletion stuff was involved in some way with Bray Wyatt. It did seem like a perfect fit when you thought about it. Well, I think Bray, I think Bray turned up to help Matt win the Andre the Giant Battle Royale, uh, Memorial Battle Royale, I think at Mania 34. That sounds familiar now you mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. And that's where the, like, the, the is it, I think it was the deleter 
delete eaters. One of the, it's the eaters of the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. That, that, I mean, that was the tag name for them. Oh. And they actually won the tag gold as well. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, amazing. So, yeah. I think that is probably a good moment to draw this to a close because we're ending mm. this with a smile, which yeah. ultimately amongst the circumstances, the best thing we can do now is just remember all the stuff that made us smile about everything that Wyndham Rotunda did. So uh, on that note, I, I will say, folks, if, you, if you've enjoyed hearing us discuss this and you're a first-time listener, first of all, thank you very much for giving the podcast a try. Be you watching on YouTube or you listening in the audio only realm as it were on your podcast provider of choice. We really appreciate you giving us the time of day. Be on the lookout for more podcasts coming soon. As it were, we're going to be having more things relating to all in weekend as it were and mm-hmm. beyond. So if you want more wrestling talk, we've got you covered as it were, obviously there are many choices available, but if you even want to give us a little bit of your time, we genuinely really appreciate it. Genuinely. Good sir, any uh, any additional closing thoughts you would like to impart on everybody before we wrap up for this evening at the time uh, of recording? Um, no, not from me. I'm obviously if you'd like to share your memories of Bray or your favorite matches, your favorite moments of of Bray Wyatt's career, then by all means put something in the comments below or even send us an email at contact at bunkermania.com. We'd love to hear from you. Indeed. And once again, thank you so much for listening and or watching, folks, from myself, Jeremy Graves, from the Decadane Mysterian Bolton. We've been Bunkermania Wrestling. Until next time, talk to you soon.